You want your teenagers to feel safe to talk to you by truly listening, not interrupting them, but truly listening and asking a lot of questions and echoing back to them what they've said. In the Blend is a podcast series that helps parents navigate life within a blended family. Join me as I speak with experts and guests to get practical advice on how to have a harmonious blended family life. This series dives deep into the unique dynamics, logistics and challenges of raising a blended family. From new partners to juggling mixed finances, we will help guide you through it. Welcome back to another episode of In The Blend. I'm thrilled to be joined by Dr. Ginny Mansberg today as we talk all things teenagers. Now, if her name sounds familiar, it's because you might have seen Dr. Ginny on morning TV program Sunrise, if you're listening in Australia. You might have read one of her five books, heard her on the radio, or listened to one of the podcasts she hosts, including Help, I've Got a Teenager, which is on the Mamma Mia Network. But that's not all. She's also a mum of three and stepmum of three, so has plenty of first-hand experience when it comes to blended families too. During our chat, we cover teenagers' emotions when adjusting to a blended family, loyalty conflicts, their need for independence, co-parenting, communication strategies specifically for teens, and more. So if you've got a teenager and your blended family brood, this is one episode you won't want to miss. Let's jump in. Okay. Hi, Ginny. Hey, Laura. How are you going? Hello. Very well, thank you. It is such a pleasure to be speaking with you today. So, so looking forward to our chat. Ginny, so as well as being a doctor, you're in a blended family yourself and you're just telling me your your children are, are grown up now, but you've got three of your own and three stepkids. To start us off, can you tell us a little bit about your own blended family? Yes. So, I have, um, my, my kids go basically from age 31 to 27 and my, the kids that I got as a wedding present go from 23 to 18. So we've got quite a, a large age gap and they were quite different ages when we blended our families. So I really had teenagers and my husband's children were much younger my youngest was um, about three and a half years older than Daniel's eldest, but they were and still are very close. So that's, I guess, the closest two who had the most, I guess, the smallest age gap between them. I'm always fascinated by blended families where all the children are the same age and often at the same year at school and wonder how that would all work out. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Well, I've got two and two and I know there's been, uh, it's hectic at the best of times. So I can only imagine having three and three. Um, Ginny, lots of different different questions I've got for you around this theme of, of teenagers. But when a blended family first forms, teenagers might be experiencing resentment or resistance during that adjustment process to the blended family. How have you approached these emotions uh, in your professional work or, or personally and, and work towards helping foster that positive environment at the outset? So I find often when a family blends, it's got nothing to do with the kids. It's because the two adults fall in love with each other and they decide that they're going to 
enmesh this family together. And you often have these incredibly lofty dreams about now getting extra children into your life. And now you're going to have an even more extensive and beautiful and committed family. Your children are so lucky they're going to have extra siblings that they weren't otherwise going to have. And it's not always that easy. There are some where it just goes beautifully and seamlessly to plan, but we have six children, you guys have four that are individuals that approach everything very, very differently and what works for one won't work for another. You also, sometimes there are other families, so sometimes there is, you know, there's a mum and her new partner and all of the new siblings there and, you know, a, a dad and his new partner and a whole new um, set of siblings there. There are complexities in that as to how those relationships are and if there are other parents involved, were that was it a pretty amicable, good relationship and good sort of an okay breakdown? No, marriage breakdowns are awesome, but, you know, did they maintain a really great relationship? Or is there a little bit of conflict in there which can make things really difficult and really different? And sometimes there's conflict in one couple and there's not conflict in the other. So in terms of approaching it, I would say if you're going with the best intentions but be open to it going in any direction and um, getting lots and lots and lots of help. Don't try and do this on your own. This It's a really big deal. Definitely, especially if you're dealing with things like loyalty binds, which can happen at the outset as well, if they're feeling that pull between the biological parent yeah. and the new step-parent and they're trying to navigate that. Especially if one of the biological parents didn't repartner, so only one has, and perhaps that biological parent, the, the, the kids might, you know, truly feel in their heart that they want to protect that parent and look after them. Sometimes it's the dad, sometimes it's the mum. But here embracing a new dad slash mum can make them feel so disloyal to the parent who's, you know, at home. And it's really, it is really tough. There's no right and wrong answer. I would say that if you, if that's you and if you're the parent who has not repartnered but your child is going into a family where there's a new kind of parent or step-parent, um, it can be really tempting to say, I will miss you like crazy. I won't sleep a wink. I will cry every minute until you come home because I love you so much. And I know in a lot of ways it's true. In a lot of ways you want your child to know how much you love them and care about them and want them, you know, to understand that you're pining away for them. But sometimes those kids leave with just so much guilt and so much fear for the well-being of that parent um, and you don't realise what, what's going on there. So I think it's really important to say if they are going off to their parents' house, um, you're going to have the best time. I'm going to have a really great time. I'm going to miss you like crazy. Can't wait to see you in three days' time. But I'm actually really looking forward to having some time out and so we're all going to have a great time and we'll see you in three days' time rather than sort of making it maybe a bit catastrophic um, without in, it's always from good intentions right yeah that's good advice keeping it upbeat so you don't have to go through that heartache each week when you're going back and forth so what about independence and I know teenagers in particular so I've got a 13 year old stepdaughter at the moment 15 year old stepson so I'm, I'm very familiar with this one right now how do you strike a balance between allowing them autonomy 
and maintaining that necessary structure or boundaries, if you like, within your blended family. So you've got to think about what the objective is at the end of this transition period that we call adolescence or teenage years. So the idea is that you're going to now pass that baton of competency to them so that they make great decisions for themselves, that they are competent adults who are really good at seeing, you know, judging people, making good decisions about their futures, their careers. In this time, they are genetically and biologically programmed to prefer the input from their peers than from their parents. And so it's a matter of you saying, let me give you enough rope to fail, but to fail small where it's not going to do any damage to you. And then assessing, you know your child, no, no two children are different. And within a family, no two children are different. But what you can say is, I want to see you thrive. So you know what? This weekend, there's a big party on. You're going to go. Can't wait to see what happens. And you know what? Maybe next time you'll be allowed to stay out till 11 p.m. instead of 10 p.m. So let's just see how this one goes. Now it's on them. Are they going to make good decisions or are they going to make bad decisions? So we normally say you just sort of loosen the guardrails a little bit and then, but slowly, and bring them back in if you don't think your child's ready for that level of responsibility. But there is no point you trying to control that journey because all that's going to happen is the subtext of that is I don't trust you and I don't think you're very good at making decisions. And even worse, they're not equipped then to make decisions for themselves. They never have to. Everything else that happens to them, they're a passive player in their own life and they're not taking an active role in determining their own future. And you want them to be those people, those adults who feel empowered, who feel like the world you know, has something to offer for them, but they have power in that. And a lot of that is to do with passing that baton of competency. So I wouldn't try and control everything they do, but at the same time, just slowly loosen those guardrails. That's such good advice. And when it comes to a child who might be living in two different houses, would you suggest that as co-parents, they get aligned on what those guardrails are in an ideal world, or, or could they potentially be different at either house? Look, in the ideal world, there has been a low conflict separation um, that both parents are loving that child and available for them and stepping up as parents and being fully present whenever they're needed and are very keen and, and, and committed to the well-being of their children and putting that first. Therefore, you, of course, have incredibly constructive conversations about what is in the best interest of the child. That doesn't always happen, unfortunately, and often when relationships break down, there's a lot of sadness, a lot of hurt, a lot of shame, a lot of fear, um, a lot of financial, you know, struggles and, and you know, that can really impact on the way that you can um, collaborate with your ex. So ideally you could, and this is often a really good opportunity to say, hey, this kid really needs us to get on the same page here, so why don't you and all of your partner and, and his kids all come over for a barbecue and let the kids see that we are all on the same page. It's a good opportunity to do that now. And I hope everybody who's listening to us today is nodding along going, absolutely, that's exactly what we did. And I hope if you're somebody who's still feeling a lot of hurt and sadness and fear and anger, that maybe this is the spur to make you put that away and to, I guess, do what is in the best interest of the kids, which is just to try and get on and to try and align on the same page. If you can't, like if there's absolutely no way that one of these exes is going to um, be available or on the same page with you, then 
kids can adapt and it is quite amazing. Um, there will often be completely different rules at soccer or cricket than there are at school, than there are at Sunday school or at grandma's or at a friend's house. And kids can adapt to different sets of rules. And all you can do is just say, at this house, in our home, this is what we're going to do and here's why because I'm your parent and my job is to keep you safe and my job is to make you the best freaking amazing adult that I know you already are. I can see it in you and my job is to get you there. So this is how we're going to do things because because I love you too much to do anything less and that's a message that you've just got to send and don't talk about the other parent. It's just not a conversation worth having. Yep. Yep. I love that. You can't control what goes on in the other house ultimately, but I, I love the way that you position that. And um, and it's really about empowering the, the child, as you say, to make the right choices. If, if they're not making the right choices, so which tends to happen quite a bit in the teenage years, would you have any advice for step parents in terms of how they might respond if a stepchild, for example, is is making life a little bit difficult um, or, or, through the choices that they're making? So, step parents, unless the other parent has sadly passed away, and now you're stepping up into a, almost a loco parentis role and that's a very different situation than let's say when there's two homes that the children are going to or sometimes there's in three homes you know there might have been a very close step parent that they continue to want to have contact with even after their parent has moved on and sometimes there's three homes let's say that there there is that there are two homes trying to negotiate the well-being of this child your role is not to parent your role is to be a support player for their main parents and hopefully both of them and hopefully you can be their biggest cheerleaders for both of those parents and to say yeah I understand my mum was coming from and I understand my dad was coming from your partnership is the most important thing now for that child and for you and for your children and for everybody else so if you don't agree with the way that your spouse is parenting their children your job is not to go into World War Three with your spouse, but to work on your relationship with that with your spouse to make sure that how can you play a supportive role? Now, all of us have been in a workplace where things have been done where you've thought, I wouldn't choose to do that. That probably wouldn't be the way I would do it, but you can get on board with doing it because you understand you don't own the company. And the, the person who owns a company is going to set that kind of, you know, set that agenda. When it comes to a marriage, your partner is the boss of his own or her own children. That's And your role is to support them and to take offline any concerns that you might have. And hopefully they will listen to you because you have earned each other's respect. And if they won't and you think it's a deal breaker for you, well, that's a whole different discussion. But it's not for you to go in there and parent their children in a way that you think is better than they're doing for themselves. That's not appropriate. Hmm. That's such a good reminder that you you stay in your lane um, when it comes to being a step parent. And I actually had a guest on the show a little while back, and we focused specifically on discipline. And he echoed that exact advice in saying, "You're the you're the friendly friendly aunt or or cousin or what have you, and you're leaving the discipline to the parent. Um, you know, unless it's some sort of exceptional circumstance." Ginny, I'm keen to talk about communication. 
what communication strategies have you found that that have been particularly effective in fostering open and uh, let's say constructive dialogue with teenagers um, as well? So I know sometimes it's, it can be hard to get teenagers to open up, um, maybe even more so if they're in a blended family situation. Any tips? Oh, lots. Um, so you want your teenagers to feel safe to talk to you about stuff. You can help them feel safe to talk to you by truly listening, not interrupting them and just lecturing them and talking, um, you know, over the top of them or disciplining them really hard, but truly listening and asking a lot of questions and echoing back to them what they've said. So they say, um, oh, it was just a, a really shit day at school. Everyone hates me. And in your heart, you're just going, oh my God, oh, th- you know, this is the worst thing ever. And you go, why, why do you think everyone hates you? What makes you think that? So you're sort of echoing back to them, showing them that you're listening. Also understanding that they really care about their friends. So often talking to them about their friends is a safe space for them to go. So oh, what do you reckon is going on for Jane? Why would she be doing something like that? I'm really worried. Are you worried about her? You know, I love the way you're such a great friend to her. I love the way you really care about her. But you can talk about her rather than the child. That's sometimes a lot easier for them because a lot of what they're saying often reflects what what they're feeling as well. Let them be the master. So a lot of conflict is happening in Australian households at the moment in, let's say, gaming. So the kids want to be on the gaming, you know, on their PlayStation all the time and you go, get off your PlayStation. And in 10 minutes they're still on their PlayStation. You go, right get off your PlayStation right now or I'm taking your phone away or I'm going to ban the PlayStation for a week or whatever it is. If instead of that, because they'll just go, but I just got to finish this game. I can't leave in the middle of the game. Go up and sit with them and just go, show me how this works because I'm always telling you to get off, but I don't really get it. Like tell me why and so what would happen if you got off the game now? Okay, can you teach me how to play it? Let them be the expert and teach you. They love that because they're used to this whole relationship being you talking down to them, you explaining things to them, you telling them the rules. Now they get to be the teacher and they often love that. Know when to back off. If you're not getting anywhere, don't push them. But often a really good time to have chats to teenagers is in the car. Sometimes what well, you've got a captive market there really. They're just sitting in there, you know, they're facing straight ahead so they can't make eye contact with you, which is often a bit safer. And often you've got a 25-minute drive, you know, to get them to sports training or, you know, to go pick up their school uniform or whatever it is. And now it's a good time to have the kind of conversation where you're asking the questions, not talking at them, truly listening, reflecting back to them to make sure that they know, talking about their friends. And that, Rome wasn't built in a day, but you start slowly and you build. And when they tell you something, remember it and come back. So if they tell you that, Jane had had a massive fight with her parents, let's say, just uh, another, you know, in the car on the way home from school, as they walk through the door, go, tell me, I've been thinking about Jane. How's she going? What happened with her mum? Is everything okay now? So that they know you were listening to them and you care about what really matters to them, which is their friends. Mm, that's great. It's really relating to them, isn't it, Ginny? And showing them that you get it and really being interested in them and their world. 
What about self-esteem? Because I know that's another big one that comes up all the time with teenagers. So if a teenager's feeling like they don't look like that girl they've seen on TikTok or they've got bad skin perhaps or they don't don't like the the their hair. What are what are some ways that you can help them through some of the self-esteem issues? Wow, there's a lot to unpack there, Laura. But I would say this is going to sound really dumb, but my teenage patients tell me all the time about things that their parents have said that I'm sure they didn't mean, but that stuck in them like a knife and that has poisoned the well of the rest of their future. So um, if the kid doesn't do their homework, it's not as if you've got a great future in front of you. You're going to never get into uni and you're just going to be stuck being povo and useless for the rest of your life hurtful things like that that can come out when you are in a bad place. Don't worry, it's not just you, it is everyone. But if you realise you have said something really awful because they have pushed all your buttons or because you have just had a terrible day and you're very worried about things, you're very insecure about things yourself, but if you say something that could be harmful, please own it, apologise it and tell them that you didn't mean it because they if you don't say that, they believe you did mean it and they do that you have more power than anyone to destroy their self-esteem. And I don't go a day without teenagers telling me about things that I know these parents, they're beautiful, but when their children tell me what they're saying to them, I am absolutely horrified. So it is everybody, but just know how much that hurts your child when you say something really mean. Um, in terms of their looks, it is very easy to go, don't be ridiculous. You're beautiful. Don't be silly. I love your hair. I, I know where that is coming from, but you need to validate where they're coming from. Do you, because I, I can't see any acne, but I am your mum and I, of course, think that you're the most gorgeous thing on the planet. Show me the acne that you're worried about. Mm -hmm, I get that. Would you like to go to the doctor? Would you like to go to the pharmacy and just get some advice about what we could use? validate their concerns, but be alert for something like an eating disorder or body dysmorphia. So if you honestly, hand on heart, look at your child and think, my God, this child does not eat and she is skinny ass and she's now complaining about a bulge in her bum, on her, on her belly, which quite frankly, the organs need to fit somewhere. <laughs> like it can't be a scooped out belly. We need to have something. There is going to be a little bit of bulge there. Um, and we're a little bit concerned. Then I think you can raise that with her and just go, Look, I I think not only that you're beautiful, and I know I would say that because I'm your mum, I think you're beautiful, but I am really worried because when you tell me that you think you're fat, I am terrified that there's something else going on here. Can we go and see a doctor? Because I'm worried that when you say you look fat, that there's something big going on there because I can't see one bit of fat on you. Those kinds of honest conversations in which you talk about your own concern and don't dismiss their own concerns about themselves. With acne, a lot of these children have got dreadful acne and they didn't have acne before. When we were kids, everybody had acne. So it was not the worst thing in the world to have acne because everybody had it. These days with, you know, drugs like Accutane, nobody has this sort of cystic acne anymore. And a lot of parents are terrified saying, oh, we're not going on that. We will not be doing the pill. We will not be doing, you know, so they are going to lay down the law without first listening to what your child wants and making a collaborative decision framework with them that allows them to take on that battle of uh, that baton of competency to make really important decisions for themselves. So 
if you if they are really concerned about acne, then listen to them. Why are you concerned? Tell them your concerns and make sure that you are if before you say that the pill is going to make them get pregnant and die or, you know, become sexually active or become the biggest slut in the school, which just has some really negative connotations of what you're telling them there, maybe do your research a little bit as well and make sure that you know what you're saying uh, before you say something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if you're a step-parent and there's a, ch- a stepchild going through some of these things as well, uh, again, it's the adults, or the sorry, it's the parents' place to be helping that child for the most part, uh, unless you're in a situation where you've you've got a close relationship with a stepdaughter or a stepson, for example, and and you're able to provide that extra support and another ear for that child who might need to hear it. Absolutely, because mm. you're on a minefield now. Um, if you said even. Darling, do you want me to give you a little bit of help with those little pimples? They might hear that as, oh, my goodness, you have the worst acne, you look like a pizza face, you're completely foul and ugly, and now they hate you. And that 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 can that can happen. So you've just got to let their parent navigate the minefield. It's a lot easier than for you as a step-parent. Yep, yep. Ginny, just lastly, are there any resources that you would recommend for, for listeners if they're looking to get more help around anything to do with step families, blended families or parenting in general? What would be your go-tos? So the New Teen Age, which was the book that I wrote just a couple of years ago with my darling friend Jo Lamble, who's a fantastic clinical psychologist, we do have a whole uh, section on blending families, which was great and specifically for teenagers. And there's some really good frameworks as to how to approach things um, with teenagers because it is different when you're trying to blend a family with littler children. There's no doubt about it. Um, Help I Have a Teenager podcast on the Mamma Mia Network, which is um, Joe and, and I took the new teenage to the next level. We have a lot of blended family step parenting kind of questions coming in all the time. And we, you know, I mean, Joe's amazing. Such great advice on that podcast. So highly, highly, highly recommend. Fabulous. I've listened to a few of those myself, Ginny, and I can certainly vouch for the blended family episodes in particular being super useful. Um, Ginny, just lastly, where can our listeners go if they'd like to connect with you or get in touch? So I'm on Instagram at Dr. Ginny, D-O-C-T-O-R-G-I-N-N-I, or I actually have a skincare company, so I don't know if anyone knows that. It's called Evidence Skincare, E-S-K-Care.com, um, and it's got a lot of stuff. We've got a teenage acne kit and got a lot of information. We've got a free ebook about teenage acne as well. Amazing. So if your kid is uh, suffering a bit of acne, um, maybe head over there and it's just a free download and you can read about what the best things are to do for your children with acne. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that. We will link to all of that in the show notes. Well, once again, appreciate your time, Ginny. Thank you so much. Thanks, Laura. Thanks for listening to the In The Blend podcast. The show notes for this episode are available at intheblend.com.au. And if you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe and please rate and review in your podcasting app. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn.